All right, how we doing, everybody? Great. Everyone feeling good? Yeah. All right, Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy Advent, all the things. This is a great time to be among God's people, and I'm so glad that all of you are here. My name is Chris, and if you are just joining us for the first time, one of the things that we totally love to do is ask questions, all right? So if you have any questions, uh, just text me right here or text us right here, and we're going to get uh, to your questions in my Pastor Plex podcast. I can't wait uh, to, to engage all of you there. Other things, uh, just to note, we are going to have a Christmas Eve service. Just You're like, when are we going to do Christmas Eve service? And we're going to do it outside to kind of get a brisk feel. Children are going to be welcome. We're going to do it at Calvary Worship Center right now. The, the time that we have sort of picked, and everything could change possibly in a moment's notice because you know how things go. But 5 o'clock, uh, 5 p.m. on Christmas Eve, uh, is when we're going to hold the Christmas Eve service at Calvary Worship Center. It'll be family-friendly, a lot of singing, intermixed with talking, singing, talking, singing, talking, and then we'll be done. Won't be more than an hour. Kids won't be like screaming too, too loud. Okay. Now, speaking of kids, uh, this season is really sort of fun if you have children. And then, uh, and I've got two of my children over here. I've got Austin and Jet. Can you guys say hi to everybody? There you go. Good, good job, guys. Uh, and one of the things that they're going to ask the, the day of Christmas with about five minutes to wrapping pair being shred all over the place is one of my sons will look at another one of my sons and they're going to ask this question. Can you guess what this question is? What'd you get? That's exactly right. Because, and the reality is we've been asking what'd you get for pretty much our entire lives. Now, there's a strategy involved in the what'd you get question. Am I right? Because you're not actually asking what the other person got, right? You're using that as an opportunity to share what you got and you're hoping and you're pretty much sure that it's better than what they got. And so remember, because we want everyone to get by, we just want everyone to get by us. And so what the question involves is a strategy of like, essentially you can kind of see what they got because you already know. You give them the opportunity to reveal what they got and then you go, shinier, better, greater. And then uh, you feel good about yourself. They feel better with, with them. You've won. Christmas is a victory, all right? That is sort of how everybody operates. And so for me as an only child, I had to wait until I got back to school to have a victory dance over somebody. And I'd make sure that it was, you know, I could, you know, kind of maybe I got better presents than that kid. And so I'd make sure that I wouldn't ask the kid who got like awesome stuff. I'd ask the kid, it probably didn't. Would you get, oh, really? Oh, that's great. But here's what I got. And I'd feel good about myself. Now, you would say, Chris, that is so sick and shallow and you're a little cynical. But how, there's not one person here that hasn't gotten felt a little bit good about yourself when you got something a little bit better. Am I right? All right, come on. So what happens is, what happens is, um, and this could be it too, right? It's, it's not just the, the what'd you get question, you feel good that you got something better. Um, it's the satisfaction you feel when somebody you're sort of annoyed with has something minorly bad happen to them. You're just like, and you say something like, oh, bless their heart. And on the inside, you're going, all right, that's what we do, all right? Because it's inside us. It's this reaction in us 
that causes us to struggle to experience joy, even surrounded by family and friends. And you're about to, watch this, a lot of you are about to experience being around family, okay? And there's going to be that person that sort of gets your goad, so to speak, almost every year. And you're just like, man, if I have to listen to that one kid talk about whatever they're going to talk about, I just, I'm going to lose my ever-living mind. And you've already thought of your snappy comeback that you're going to kind of like drill in to make sure that they understand that you understand where you understand. And, and this is going to be, we're calling a truce this year, right? I mean, I, I think there's that part of us and then they cross the line and it's on. And so um, I want us going into being around family to kind of have our hearts prepared and get our minds right because we're supposed to be singing, talking about joy. That's the candle we lit today. Joy. We're going to be joyful and not jealous. All right. Now, let's talk about some reasons why we can't, right? We kind of got into it. We can't react with joy when others are blessed because, okay, and you would never put it this way, but this is what actually happens. We feel a need to curse those whom God has blessed. All right, no, no, no. And you're like, Chris, I have never cursed anybody. I'm not looking for a little seance to be like, I pray upon the powers of darkness to put on their lives a curse. No, that, that's not what I'm talking about. It's, it goes something like this, all right? Uh, you, uh, they talk about how great something is, and then you got to find something wrong with it to kind of just eh, get a little jab in there. All right, we do that. Uh, also, we can't react with joy when others are blessed because we compare our blessings to the blessings of others. And we all know this, that comparison is the thief of joy. That is like in us, we know that, we've said that. But what happens is inevitably, the what you get also revolves around a, well, look what I got and mine's a little bit better. And if it's worse, then we sort of feel like a little bit worse. Okay, and then finally, um, we're too jealous to celebrate what God is doing in their life, all right? That's sort of where we revolve around, and I want us this morning to get our hearts right. And so this morning, I wanted to give you a model. I wanted you to see a person, and obviously this person is going to be from the Bible, and, and the, this woman's name is Elizabeth, and she's going to be a model for what it would look like to not have your life revolve around feeling less than or being jealous so that when other people talk about all the great things they did over the past year that you're seeing them for the one time, you can kind of exhort them and encourage them and be a wonderful time of joy. And we're going to have come walk away from this Christmas experience feeling awesome. All right. So that's where we're going we're to go this morning. We're going to figure out how to overcome um, the jealousy or the envy, uh, perhaps even the greed that comes along with Christmas. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1, and before we get into it, I want us to pray and ask God to reveal his word to all of us as we sink into it, and we, we want to leave here like transformed and different. God, thank you for your word. My heart's desire is we would leave here with a sense of peace, a sense of hope, and real joy. And God, I know that for some of us, even me, I, I need you to do some surgery in my heart. There's some dark parts that get stuck in there. They get lodged in my heart. And it's the things that cause me to wander uh, from the wonder of the glory that God became man. And I start worrying about how I didn't get enough. And God, that always turns in our hearts and it turns about. And so God, I pray that this Christmas season we'd be looking to you and not to us for our joy.
Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Okay, here we go. So I want to do a quick review. Remember, we talked about the past two weeks about, been about hope and peace. And we talked specifically about the hope that overcomes disappointment. And the first week we had uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth were this married couple, priestly family, uh, in all, by all occasions blessed, but Elizabeth was barren. In fact, she was called barren. I mean, talk about a tough nickname. You're pushing 40, people calling you barren. You're like, all right, all right, I, I get it. But then when you're pushing 80 and everyone's still calling you barren, you're just like, really? Seriously? Still calling me Baron all right, after all these years. And eventually she just goes by Barry, right? Like that, it just, you just get used to the name. We kind of keep moving. And so Barry, uh, on this one hand, she has just sort of taken on that and she's understood. And then all of a sudden, the prayer that apparently maybe they'd stopped praying because Gabriel shows up, hey, your prayer's been answered. And they're like, yeah, you're about 50, 60 years late, Gabriel. And, and then Zechariah's like, how am I going to know this is going to happen? He has a moment of doubt when he's facing an angel. And then Gabriel goes, and then he can't talk. And so then all of a sudden, uh, they do things that uh, husband and wife do. And all of a sudden, Elizabeth is prego and she is overjoyed, overwhelmed. It's major celebration. She's feeling the excitement, all right, that God has taken her greatest disappointment and used that to be the thing that not only gives her hope, but shows her the goodness and glory of God, that God hasn't forgotten about the people who've been praying for a long time for stuff that they have been missing out on. And he, he cares for us. And he, as she's pushing 80, she's now getting the baby buggy out. Okay? Then, then uh, last week, we talked about how God does the impossible, that he brings peace. When our circumstances look impossible, God's word says something, and you're like, this is what's going to happen. You're like, All right, I don't know how that's going to happen. And he meets this young teenage girl, he says, you're going to be a mother to the Savior. And she's like, mm, I don't know how, if you know how the biology works here on planet Earth, uh, angel guy. Uh, but how can this be? Because I am a virgin. And then he's like, well, you know, in the heavenlies, we don't really talk about human biology. But here's what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you are going to be with child. And she's like, all right, let it be as you've said. I'm your servant. And then, And then he says, check it out. Um, you're going to go find your relative Elizabeth is in her sixth month. And she's like, you mean old Baron? And she immediately is going to head out there and we're going to watch graciousness upon graciousness from Elizabeth to her young cousin, Mary. And I want you to kind of check this out. We're going to watch how the priest uh, wife and the peasant soon-to-be wife are going to interact with such unbelievable sense of camaraderie, harmony, and you're going to see Jesus in the midst of all this. Okay, that's where we're going. So Luke 1, verse 39. Here we go. In those days, so just after Gabriel shows up at Mary's house, he puts on a little display. You know, I always wondered, like, how, how this happened for the teenager. Was she alone? Was she, like, having a bad day? Was she having, like, you know, she got a little emotional, mopey, and then all of a sudden the angel shows up. Hey, good news. Or if she just was like, I, don't, I always think about wondering, like, what was it like? Why was Mary, was it the middle of the night? You know, and... Anyway, what happened here? So in those days, Mary gets up, arose, and she went with haste. She wasn't waiting around. She wanted to go see if old Baron actually had a baby. And she goes into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And I love this next part. 
And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. To which the next thing she's going to say is going to make sense because she's filled with the Holy Spirit. And you're going to say, listen, uh, a lot of my relatives say they're filled with the Holy Spirit, but they say some asinine stuff over uh, a Christmas dinner, okay? And what happened to the Holy Spirit? Was the Holy Spirit like not working then? Well, the other new, other times, there are other times in the Bible where people are filled with the Holy Spirit and they committed adultery and murder and all sorts of stuff, uh, aka David, right? So we know that just because you have the Holy Spirit doesn't mean you're going to act Holy Spiritual, right? Okay, so we know that. So filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed in a loud cry, blessed are you, Mary, among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And so I wanted you to see my little point here is Elizabeth blessed Mary. And you're like, well, it's the Bible. Of course she blessed Mary. No, no. Remember, there are lots of people, plenty of people in the Bible who don't do blessing things. The Bible isn't filled with a bunch of do-gooders. It's filled with a bunch of rotten people like you and me that do a lot of ridiculous stuff. But in this moment, Elizabeth blessed Mary. Now you're like, well, Chris, of course she blessed Mary. She just, you know, she's pushing 80 and she got pregnant. She experienced a miracle. So of course, no, no, no. You've experienced a miracle. You've experienced unbelievable joy and then somebody else gets a better thing and you're like, jab, right? So she blesses her. She doesn't curse her. And she also doesn't, doesn't say nothing. She's like, oh, that's nice. You know, she, she blesses her. She gets on board with this. I mean, we've, we've experienced it. Uh, so you say, I'm pregnant. You're like, oh, well, 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 whose boots have your bed, or whose bed has your boots been under? Like there's that, that moment where we want to kind of get a little jab in there. We're just being funny. But what is really coming out is like, like the darkness of our heart, the little sarcastic jab, because we just got to let them know it probably isn't right. You don't really deserve that. Ba-boom, huh? Zinger, point for me, feeling good. Christmas dinner's sort of ruined, but I won. All right, you know what the fun thing about this is, um, there's actually times in the Bible where a guy says, all I can do is bless whom the Lord has blessed. But you find sneaky ways to find satisfaction in their demise. Which I know none of you, you guys are the spiritual people that come on Christmas and all that. And, you know. But there is a story in the Old Testament. It's in, it's in Numbers 23 and then later in 31. And you're like, I don't care. Tell me the story. All right, here it is. So there's a guy named Balaam. All right, Balaam... Balaam is the guy that talks to a donkey, all right? And the donkey talks back. But what Balaam was hired to do, he was a God-man kind of guy. He was an oracle of God, which was odd because he wasn't of the people of God, but he was, you know, he was a prophet. And so Balak, he's the, he's the king of Moab. And he, he's sort of afraid of the Israelites because, you know, when you hear about a whole nation of people walking through uh, the Red Sea is on dry land, an entire army being drowned, that inspires a little bit of fear. People get a little freaked out about that. So when they're coming near, you're like, we need to see them go down. And even a minor go down brings satisfaction to me. So he hires Balaam. He's like, hey, Balaam, listen, I got money. I got stuff. You, whatever you want, I'm here. All I need you to do is come on this mountain and start cursing those fools down there. Ready? Curse. And Balaam's like, listen, all I can do is do what God calls me to. God told me to bless him, so I have to bless him. And he blesses them. And then there's this weird thing where it looks like Balaam is like the, the most gracious, godly man of all time until later you find out that he takes Balak, King Balak into a back room. He's like, listen, I can't curse him because, you know, I'm prophet of God, oracle of God, you know, but here's what you do. And this one 
the king of Moab, King Balak starts taking notes. He's like, here's what you, you take some of your women, all right? Um, you start infiltrating, like we need to do some like spy maneuvering. You're going to infiltrate the Israelite camp. You're going to have your women have um, relations, okay, with uh, the people of God. And then have them seduce them not only to um, adultery, but to idolatry and have them worship your God. Ba-boom. And then I don't have to curse them, but we can just watch them be cursed. And it happens. And Balaam gets paid, and he gets satisfied. But he never actually had to say out loud, curse them. Now, I wonder. I know, I know. You guys are the holy people, and we wouldn't do this. But I wonder, is that in us where we could um, have a strategy? And like when, when you see that post on Facebook that things aren't going well, and you say out loud, oh, bless their heart. But what you mean is like, hmm, that feels good. And, and you're like, okay, listen, I know you think, like, I'm a pastor, and so pastors, of course, are above this, right? I would be above, I'm far superior than to feel any darkness of my heart because I have arrived. But the problem is, um, I haven't. I'm just like you, all right? So um, you have your own version of what'd you get, okay? Uh, for some of you, it might be like, what'd you get? Tell me about your house. And so when you ask for Christmas cards, you're actually going on Zillow and looking up their address to see what they paid, right? That's what you do. Oh, is that just me? All right. So, like, uh, so what? Or, or what happens is like, um, you'll, you'll, you know, you've got, you know, your job, the promotion. You're looking on someone's LinkedIn profile, kind of looking at, oh, okay, I'm doing better than them, and you kind of feel good about yourself. That's how you do it. Now, for in pastor world, it's not necessarily the house, or it's not necessarily the car. You know what it is? Here's the here's the what you get question that pastors ask whenever we get together with other pastors, and everyone's sort of in comparison world. When the what you get question is. So how big is your church? That's just what, just what you do. I mean, that, now you can't ask it on the first time you get with them because that looks like you're overtly, you know, you know, you, that's clearly you have an issue. You kind of, you get to know them, you secretly look up on their website, and then you sort of make an answer, you know, you kind of ascertain where they're about at, and then you start asking questions about what level they're at. You, you're really strategic because you've got to come off as you're blessing them and never any of this negative nonsense like that I would be wanting to curse you or get satisfied if, you know, everybody in your church left and came to our church. Because, of course, we're holier than that. And so um, I, I was at this meeting with other pastors, and um, for some reasons, it's okay, if, for, in my own dark heart, okay, in my own dark heart, it's okay for your church to be bigger than our church if you were in existence a day longer. So like your church could be 50,000, and you're just a day older, and I'm like, oh, that tomorrow is when that's going to happen for our church. I don't know why that does, that, that, you know, that's just in me. And so um, I find out that a guy uh, in our association that planted the church like several years after us, uh, his church is like pushing a thousand. And I'm like, no, that's great. That's really great. And then in my head, I'm like, how is that possible? Like, he's a, he can't even talk that good. I mean, like, I mean, has anybody ever heard this guy? I mean, like, and I coming up like, and I'm like sitting there going, I'm like, man, I'm, and I'm like, yeah, well, it's just, and I, I could feel in my heart. Now, I'm not saying this out loud yet. I'm like going, like, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm processing as, as I'm watching him. He's doing like a little talk at, at our association meeting. And I can just feel myself sort of like, what? And I'm like, what is happening to me? And I remember thinking there, I, I, I probably should say and congratulate him, be really, really sweet to him. I should do that. 
All right, but what happens, what happens is in, in, something goes on in my heart and what happens is you start avoiding that person. And this is what you do in your own family because you don't want to go around that person who starts talking about their thing and you're like, mm, I don't want to hear about it. So you start avoiding them and then you don't call them and next thing you know, you're distant. Because that's what we do as people. Because there's this brokenness inside me and it's inside you. And I want to show you something that you're doing that you may not have even done, know you're doing. When you don't join God in blessing, watch this, you're against God in cursing. No, no, or, okay, you're like, Chris, I'm not cursing anybody. When you sort of get a satisfaction that it might not be as great as you thought it would be, you are not on the same side as God. And there's this verse, maybe you've heard of it, goes, God opposes the, but gives grace to the, okay. So what happens is, and that word opposes is like militarily opposes. And so you're in your pride, in that darkness of heart, you are opposed to what God is doing, which puts you on the opposite side of God. And you don't want to be on the opposite side of God. And so you've got to change your heart. This is called repentance. Confess, repent change my heart. Because what you're really saying here, and I'm, we're going to say this over and over again, when you sort of feel that thing and there's this desire in you to sort of curse what God has blessed, what you're saying is like, God, you owe me. You owe me. When you were handing out the things, when you were passing out the cars, passing out the jobs, passing out the babies, passing out the wives, passing out the husbands, passing out the houses, you skipped me. You gave me leftovers and you gave that guy. And have you seen that guy? He doesn't deserve that. And then what we do, what we do, because we're going to try and help that person out, is we're going to, look, I'm just here to keep you humble. Like someone's got to. Like somehow, like you've, you, people have said that. I'm just, I just got to keep them humble. As if it's your God-given assignment to be a jerk. Like, I know, someone's got to say it. can't say amen, say ouch. <laughs> All right, so, so here it is. And that's what's going on in our heart. But I love this about Elizabeth. She responds out of genuineness of heart because she's truly filled with God's Holy Spirit. And we are truly filled with God's Holy Spirit, which means we are both empowered to do this. Okay, look at verse 43. And here's Elizabeth continuing. She goes, and why is this granted to me? Like, in other words, I don't deserve this. I am, yeah, granted, I'm in a priestly family, and, but if you would have known my heart, I wouldn't deserve to have the Lord show up to my house. And I love her heart. Like, she gets it. She understands that back 20 years prior, she was like, there was a couple times she was like, God, you forgot, God, and she was angry, and then, you know, she was frustrated, and then God came through and answered her prayer 50 years late. And why is this granted me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. No, look, this is good. This is good. Elizabeth never compared her less blessing. Because this is what she does. She's a model for us. She could have been like, because there are some people that are kind of like, um, 
they're either Eeyore or Winnie the Pooh. You know, you guys know what I'm talking about? Like, they're Eeyore, right? Yeah. Oh, you're pregnant too. Oh, that's great. Well, yeah, well, at least you'll probably be able to live to see your child grow up. Me, I'm going to probably die in childbirth because I'm 80. Wah, wah, wah. Right. There's this part of you that wants to make sure everybody knows that it's not really fair, that you got something you didn't deserve. We do this. We do this. All right. And this is where, you know, and, and <laughs> this is where when somebody has the, the social media post, you guys know what I'm talking about, when they, um, how about when they gush about their family or, or their relationship with their spouse and like, I just want to say I love my spouse, and you just want to go like vomit, vomit, vomit. Do you guys? It? <laughs> All right, and, and you are like angry at them, right? Because you're like, that is so, I know them. They're not really doing that well. I mean, I don't think they are. I mean, how could they? Because, I mean, I'm not doing that well. And so, and I don't want to even put, I mean, I don't want people to think that about me because if they were thinking about that, I'm, and you just go into a whole like psychoanalyzation of somebody's social media post because they got 155 likes. All right, or, or, you know, someone got the new job on LinkedIn. You're just like, you're just scanning profiling like, there, look at that resume. That's like pathetic. I should have gotten that job. Who did they know? What did, who did they know? All right, and, and that's what happens in us. And, and um, you know where it starts? It starts, like, with my children. All right. So eight, we got this for, we paid a whole nothing for this, um, we have four children, and our baby, uh, he's now 20 months, and uh, he gets nothing pretty much all the time. He gets whatever uh, his brothers don't want at the moment. And so uh, Adrian got this off the Buy Nothing Wells Branch page. Okay, you guys know about that thing? It's pretty great. And so she picks it up, and she kind of presents it to uh, Paxton, and Paxton rolls around with it for a little bit, and then we put it in the garage, and nobody talks, or nobody looks at it, talks about it. But then Paxton somehow goes into the garage to get the one thing that's actually his, like that was obtained, not bought, but obtained for him. And then he rides it around the living room, and he's so happy. And then there's Titus, who sees him being happy with his thing, and he's sort of like, you know, he's three, and the baby's one, and he kind of shoulders young Paxton off the motorcycle. And now he's delighted, Paxton's screaming, and Titus is having the time of his life. Now, he only wants it because Paxton looked like he was enjoying it. And the reality is, and we know this, that um, Paxton's only going to be able to enjoy this thing for maybe, maybe two years, maybe three, if we just, you know, he, he, you know life is hard on him and he gets nothing still. Uh, and, so, and so what happens is Titus and Paxton are going to battle over this piece of plastic. This was literally somebody's trash that became one of our kids' treasures, Right? Okay. And what's going to happen is in three years, we know that we're gonna, it's going to be in somebody else's garage and it's going to be somebody else's treasure because it became our trash. Okay, now watch. What's going to happen with your job? It's going to become somebody else's job eventually. Uh, that house that you really got and you, you paid for and you got it, eventually you're going to sell it and you're going to move into um, a Brookdale somewhere and you're going to you know, have a lot of your food fed by spoon by somebody you don't know. Okay, and that's going to happen, right? And you're not going to remember what happened at your huge, awesome house, right? You just won't care. 
You'll have forgotten about it, but in the moment, it feels like it's really, really important. That's why over and over again, God is trying to open our heads and our minds to say that but stuff ultimately is going to be gone away, and the thing that matters is your eternal perspective, and Jesus is the treasure, and that's why we celebrate Jesus coming. But when I take Titus off of the motorcycle, right, he starts bawling. And I go, Titus, it's not yours. And he says the very thing that you say, but I want it. Now, and here's what I love about Titus. He's three. He doesn't know that that's a selfish thing to say. You know, and so you don't say that. You just subtly put other words around it about how it's not really fair and you really want the best for everybody. No, no, you want what you want when you want it because that's in your heart. Because... Our hearts look like this. God, when you're handing out the blessings, uh, you gave somebody something that they didn't deserve. I don't know if you realize that. And you owe me. God, you owe me. I want us to be a people who could say that out loud and feel the weight of the ridiculousness of that. Because that, whenever you feel that thing in your heart, you're saying, God, you owe me. What I got was not enough. And in pastor world, it's like, the people you gave me weren't enough. And then you say, oh, that's just really disgusting to say that. Or, or, or the family you gave me, God, isn't enough. Or God, the, uh, the people you gave me or the, the work you gave me, that isn't enough because what I need is more. I need another plastic thing that's gonna die out in a couple years and I won't even care about it. I need that because that is what owns my heart. God, you owe me. And that is, is what makes us so broken. Because we're constantly comparing. We're constantly at the place of like, um, your blessing takes something away from me. Because we live with a scarcity mindset. There's only a certain amount of stuff to go around. And so if you got something, then obviously I am less than. And it shows the value that God has for you, as opposed to Elizabeth. She's like, God, thank you for the role I have in continuing expanding your kingdom. God, thank you for the blessing that it is to be a part of this church to expand the kingdom and the role you've given me and with the people that you've given me. And I'm excited to be a part of that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the family that you've given me. Thank you, Jesus, for the role you've placed in my life. Thank you for the work that you've given me and the people and the opportunities I have to share the hope of the world. You have given that to me. The thing I love about Elizabeth, she, she doesn't just stop. Watch, watch. I love this. She even encourages Mary in her faith. Look, and blessed is she, Mary, this is Elizabeth, Elizabeth talking, who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And then Mary is like, thank you for believing in me. And then she's going to have a song, which in Latin would be called the Magnificat, and people would be singing it for generations and generations in the Catholic Church, and you wouldn't understand a word of it, but I'm going to now translate it for you from Latin to English, and we're going to read exactly what the song would say. And she starts singing. This is like an elf moment where you just start singing, I'm happy, and I'm happy. It's one of those moments. Like, oh, you guys haven't had one of those. All right, so like, if, you have like, if your life is like a Broadway musical and you just randomly start singing, this is a moment where Mary does that. And she starts singing. She goes, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Now, granted, she's pregnant with the Savior of the world. It's pretty exciting news, but her soul is going to rejoice in him for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. He didn't choose the priestly family. He chose the peasant family. He didn't choose somebody that had worked really hard all their life. He had chosen somebody that hadn't worked at all yet. 
For behold, from now on, and you gotta know that this is gonna like, look at, maybe this is just me. If I'm Elizabeth, I'd be like, mm. from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Because no, did, did you really know about Elizabeth? Really? I mean, if you're a non-church person, you're like, who's Elizabeth? But everybody knows Mary. I mean, there's generations and generations. There's churches called Mary, woman of sorrows, Mary, she's awesome church. Like there's a lot of Mary churches going on. People have lifted up. She's definitely been blessed by all generations. And she's saying, thank you, God, for the blessing. I'm going to celebrate the blessing. Oh yeah, I'm blessed. Thank you, Elizabeth. Right, that's where she's going. For he who is mighty has done great things for who? Me. Thank you very much. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the what? The proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Isn't that cool? Like you didn't know this whole thing was about just jealousy and the pride of your heart of like what you deserve and how much God owes you until you're like, oh yeah, right there. This is for the proud people now in the congregation. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And she like, you know, the music quiets down for a moment. And this is where if um, I'm Elizabeth, you know, I kind of peeked open the door. I give her the, you know, obligatory hug because I'm sweet. And then I'm like, okay, we'll see you. I'll, thanks for coming by. But she doesn't do that. She invites Mary over. In fact, watch. Mary remained with her Three months. <laughs> this wasn't just a like, hey, I just want to see the good news. Oh, it's great. Here you go. Here's some pie. Have some tea. I'll see you later. No, no. This is like, come and stay. Remember, she's third trimester. And what I've learned from my wife and I've witnessed from my wife, there's a part of the tiredness of the third trimester where you're not like into hosting people. Like what you want to do is like, if you got like food on your plate, I want to eat and sleep at the same time. So you just go... <laughs> Like that's sort of what happens. Uh, I don't know if, if anyone else experienced that. I just sort of witnessed it. And what happens is like, you just, you're just exhausted. And now here she is playing mama role to Mary, who's what, 14? She can take care of herself. Thank you very much. Why don't you go home? And now, granted, it's your first trimester and then, you know, you're thrown up all the time and you've got a lot of sickness and you've got a lot of things. But for the most part, you're 14, you can handle it. But she serves her and she loves her. And watch this. She doesn't shut her down. I'm sure for the next three months, she has talked about the Savior of the world being born in my womb. But Elizabeth celebrated Mary in her blessing. Now, I need you to see this. The antidote, or maybe the vaccine, since we're in this era. <laughs> the vaccine for jealousy is celebration. No, 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 watch this, watch this, because you're like, no, no, Christine, you don't understand. They are blankety-blank, and they're, you know, they are all those things. And I said, no, 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 you don't understand. That God is wanting to do something in you. Because the problem I think a lot of us have, we think we're center stage in our own show as opposed to playing a supporting role, supporting role in the cast for Christ. And this is the one thing I want to teach Austin and Jet. Um, because we live in the world of participation trophies, right, don't we? And when you grow up, you don't get a trophy. You know what you get? Whatever it is you earn. <laughs> 
All right. And so what happens is we've got to train, and this is, this is for free on parenting. We've got to train my boys to celebrate when another one of my boys gets something they didn't get. And we're going to go, yes, you did it. And there's going to be this part in them. It's going to be like, mm, it hurts, it hurts. I don't want to celebrate. I want to make them like not happy. And we're going to train them to go, woo, so that we learn to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And we interconnect our good with the good of others. And that's called training. And this is what, no one's taught you how to do this. No one's said like, okay, so here's what you do when you feel that pang of jealousy kind of creep up into your soul and you're like, they will pay, right? So what you do is you're going to go and intentionally celebrate them. So for me, I have this week, I have a pastor's meeting. Isn't that convenient? Um, and I'm going to go and I'm going to go celebrate that pastor. I'm going to give him a hug and say, I'm so glad that the Lord is blessing you. And I'm so grateful that the kingdom is expanding through your church and through your leadership. Thank God. And you know, even just saying that, it's weird. Here's where I feel better about my own soul. And I want that blessing for you because a lot of the fights and quarrels that start among you come from you not getting what you wanted because you felt God was holding out. But when you can get on the opposite side of that and start blessing somebody, because what God is doing in them, and you join the Lord in blessing. You stop looking at what you didn't get and saying, God, you owe me. Then we start to wrap our head around what God is ultimately wanting to do in our lives. So this is the season of joy. This, this week is the week of joy. And the greatest joy of Advent is that Jesus came. No, no, imagine this. Us, weak in our own depravity, in our own sin, but God became a man. On Advent, he came. And then he lived the life we couldn't live, and then he died the death we deserved, but he gave us out. And said, if you believe in me, I will free you from your sin. I'll give you the gift of the Holy Spirit, which then empowers you to overcome all the jealousy, all the darkness, all the friction, all the things. And that's the gospel. And if you're here and and you don't know Jesus, my heart breaks for you, and I want you to know him. In fact, um, I, I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, we had a guy just kind of roll in. He was at the bus stop. He had missed his bus, and he had some time to kill, so he saw people coming in for church, and he just came in here. And it was a great moment. He goes, hey, when do, the hum, when do you guys do the hums? And I'm like, hums? What are hums? Hymns? The, the music. I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's, that comes first. So that's the first thing we do. And so then uh, he was excited about that. And then uh, he had to, to leave because he had to get to work. And I grabbed him. And I said, I just want you to know that God loves you. And I, and I gave him, we, got, we exchanged numbers. And then uh, he called me last night. And he's like, I want, and I'm like, I, I couldn't figure out why he was calling me. I was like, so he's like, I want to do right. I, went, I just spent a couple nights in jail. I want to I wanna get out of this, but I want to accept Christ, but I can't because I know I'm going to go back to the drugs. And then he went on this thing about getting tattoos. I'm not really sure what his hang up with tattoos were, but he was pretty, like that was a thing. And I was like, listen, the gospel isn't about making bad people better. It's about making dead people alive. I want you to pray with me. Let's receive Christ. I want to, but I can't because I know what I'm going to go do. I know what I'm going to I said, stop. Would you just pray with me? And he's like, I can't. I want to pray with you. I said, I'm going to pray with you right now. No, 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 I can't. And I start praying. He hangs up. And I don't want that to be anybody here. That you're like, no, 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 listen, I can't. You don't understand. My heart is that dark. My, my heart is that broken. God couldn't do it. And I said, no, no, no. He specializes in the impossible people like you. 
with the dark hearts that you've done all the things that are so awful and so bad and the people in the wake of your life are just like, and that person, when they come tell their story, they come to that point where you're it and you're the problem and all the things and that God specializes in redeeming those people and it's all over his word that he uses the broken to heal. And so I want you to accept and don't let a moment go by where you say, Jesus, I don't want you anymore. I don't want this thing. And all it takes is simply going like this. God, I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you. My thoughts, my words, my action. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Make me the person you want me to be. And when you pray that, you're made new. And the Bible says if you confess your mouth, Jesus Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if you do that, one of the things we're going to do this morning is we're going to take communion because I know that there's a lot of us here um, that struggle at celebrating God's blessing in others. We, it's tough for us. And we, we came a long way and we got struggling and we got wounded, we got hurt, and it's been hard to celebrate other people and all those blessings because what we are reminded of is all of our failures. And so every week we get together and we're going to take communion today and Jesus, on the night before he was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And what this symbolizes is that your soul feeds on Jesus like your body feeds on bread. And so as Jesus died for you to give to to show you what real life is, he invites you into that. And then that same night he took the cup. He said, "This is my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me." And when you step into that, and when you wake into your soul of realizing that his blood was shed for my sin, it opens your heart to say, "God doesn't owe me." Like he saved me when I, des- I got the ultimate unfair that the most perfect, righteous human being suffered the greatest injustice at my expense. The one who was perfect got what the dark, broken person deserved. He who knew no sin became sin on my behalf so that I might be the righteousness of God. And that's why we sing the songs. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. And that's why we're excited about the advent that he's coming back for us again. And that's our hope. Okay, so, so this, this morning, I want us to do something before we take communion together. I'm gonna pray. And if there's something you need to confess to God, I want you to deal with that. Like, be like, God, um, I think you owe me. I've been thinking you've been owe me for a long time. Like that kind of stuff. All right, all right, we're gonna pray. And then before we take communion, I want you to just like, talk. remember, confession to God's forgiveness. You need to feel the, the weight of that forgiveness being taken from you. And then repentance is gonna look like this. I want you to think of the person that you've been feeling like you need, like they just kind of get you and I need you to go celebrate them this Christmas. So I want you to think about, we're gonna get to that point. You're gonna think about that person and then whoever the Lord brings up, you're like, mm, not that person. How about, and then you start thinking of other people you could do it to. No, no, that person. All right, you guys ready? We're going to pray. We're going to bring the Lord into this. Don't hang up on me. Father, thank you. Um, I'm just so grateful that you are the king. 
And God, I know that there's so many people here that have been struggling and they've been wounded and they've been hurt and they, they're needing uh, a savior to move into their life. So God, I'm praying for somebody who has never accepted you. They would simply say, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I trust you. And God, I'm praying that your grace would be sufficient, your power would be made perfect as someone goes from death to life. And they wouldn't hold, push you back and say, I gotta wait till I get myself cleaned up because that's your job, you're the cleaner. And God, I'm praying that this morning that all the bitterness and all the frustration of our past, all the stuff we've been hanging on to because we've been wounded and people really did hurt us and we don't want to celebrate those who you're blessing because they, I feel, it feels like they need to understand how not fair that is, that God handed out a blessing to somebody who didn't deserve it. And in the midst of us just confessing that, we would just see the blessing of Jesus that changed our life and our heart. And that ultimately is the reality is that God didn't owe us, we owe God, and he paid it all. So God, thank you for that. Thank you for that just understanding. And I pray that this Christmas be one of celebration into people's lives because they and we need to wrap our head around the truth that your joy was meant to be shared and this Christmas is not about us it's about you so Lord as we take um, some time to confess and repent uh, would you just do a work in our hearts before we take communion together would we just take 30 seconds just to think about what you have done in us and that person that we need to bless this Christmas even when they don't deserve it. God, you're good. You're the king. We trust you. So in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, next 30 seconds, just I want you to let the Lord sink into your heart about who he's calling you to bless. If there's anything you need to confess and repent right now, 30 seconds. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he gave it to disciples saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Everyone go ahead and take your bread or the cracker. It represents Jesus' body. Same night. the blood of the new covenant shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you that you keep doing so many gracious things for us and when we don't deserve it, you bless us. And we live in a reflection and a life of response to the gift we've been given and we 
this week focus on joy and celebrating your coming and celebrating it by celebrating those who you're blessing. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. We thank you. We are living in that truth. It's all for your glory, we pray. And everybody said.